My name is Rich Baker, and this is Living the Dream. Yeah, I'm responsible for a bunch of artists' livelihood to keep pursuing this, and that that's an incredible honor. I speak with the people who work full-time in the world of arts and entertainment. Because I always talked about dragons for some reason. <laughs> I mean, of course, that was... Special thanks to Phil Ranta and the Comedy Podcast Network. But we do novels. We do old-time photos. We do wax hands, <laughs> sand art. Yeah. Artwork by Tom Burns. Original music by Diana Lawrence. And you told yourself, no matter what's going to happen, I'm just going to keep going for it. Email me your questions, your suggestions, your complaints. Livingthedreampodcast at gmail.com. We have to drove by, and they're like, do you have any firewood? I'm like, why don't I bring my own firewood? <laughs> you know, we don't want to bring any indigenous, you know. Rate the show on iTunes. If you go to iTunes... Look up Living the Dream, whatever you want to rate it. Just give me some ratings. I appreciate it. I'm selling something that I love, and that's entertainment. Here's episode number 35, talent agent Drew Korb. Living the Dream, my name is Rich. I have with me Drew Korb here, uh, agent Drew Korb, uh, which kind of sounds like you uh, like you work for the government. Yeah, it kind of does. I like that. Uh, coming at you uh, from Chicago, unlike the cruise ships. Uh, which have been dominated for a while. So uh, Drew's in my house, and he brought beer because he's the best guest ever. Uh, so thank you for no that. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Happy to be here, man. You are, uh, in addition to being uh, incredibly good-looking, you are an agent. And uh, so when, when I think when most people think of agents, they think of like a Hollywood agent, like, all right, I'm going to get you an audition for this movie. But you're, an, you're another type of agent. Is there like a distinguishing, like I call them talent agents. Are you like a booking agent? Or? Yeah, essentially, yeah, I'm a booking agent, but I mostly work in the college market. So nice. I a number of acts that are just going to work in college campuses. So uh, like what, what are the type of acts that you... Uh, it, it, it can be like the range of anything. Like that's what it says. We kind of consider ourselves Costco. Costco. Like, yeah, for entertainment. Like a little bit of everything, but at a reasonable price. And, you know, <laughs> hey, it's pretty good quality. But uh, anything like a magician, a hypnotist, an educational speaker, a diversity speaker for like Black History Month, uh, comedians, improv comics, variety shows. So it just kind of runs the gamut. Then the festivals. So a lot of the festivals in Chicago, the street festivals, a lot of the bands we book. Okay. So when you go get your funnel cake on some road and you're like, oh, who's that band playing a cover song? <laughs> That's probably our band. I just want to see like your, like the Costco, which is your thing, which is like, like, I, like you want a free sample? Yeah. Do you want a little? You want a sample of a mentalist? Yeah. Do you want a sample <laughs> on a toothpick? Uh, Bass Schuler is your employer. Yeah. And uh, there's, uh, I did a little research uh, and pretty small company, right? Yeah. It's, it's just, it's uh, Scott Bass, um, one of the agents and owners and Chris Schuler. Not one of the agents, and then myself. So there's three agents. That is, company. I mean, good for you for finding a job at a place that's pretty exclusive hiring. Well, you know, they was just like, well, I, I kind of considered it. I'm like, ah, it's like a, you know, one of those hydras, and I'm the small head on there. But you know, it's just a nice Greek mythology reference. I like it. First of all, a lot. Um, all right, so take me back. You come born and raised in Florida, right? Yep, absolutely, and started your career uh, more on the performing side. And now you're on the agent side, but you still perform. Yeah, occasionally here and there. I think the last time I performed was maybe a couple of weeks ago, but it's been, you know, not as much performing as it used to. Well, you got a full-time job. Yeah, absolutely. But I miss performing, but... In... Is it in any way like a conflict of interest to work as a... Like if you wanted to still perform and have your job, is that cool or... Cool? Like I don't know how that works. No, no, absolutely. You would think it... Like obviously I can't 
tour and say to a school, listen, you know, I think you should really book this improv. <laughs> this Drew Corb guy is going places. <laughs> yeah, I think you should really book this guy with a bunch of historical references on his repertoire. But no. Um, it, it's- and biceps, by the way. You can't see him on the audio, but this guy is packing. No, it's just a tight shirt. It's- I sound so gay right now. I'm, well, you got me drunk. What can I say? It's not. It's not. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's one of those things where, in terms of conflict of interest, I think it actually works well into an advantage of just knowing what's good in comedy, knowing what I think is a good trend. I think that comes out in a lot of just talking with these customers and these colleges to say, you know, what's good? Like, what would you want to see? And it's like, listen, I think you should check this group out. Or this kind of person, I think they have a really good audience banter, what I think would really do well on your campus. So, Are you, like, bombarded with, like, demo tapes and, and resumes and stuff like that? Like, are people constantly... Every week. Every week. We go through, we get, a, on average, about 85 to 100 submissions a week. And we all have to go through each submission in the whole office. So it has to be a unanimous decision on who we represent. So you can imagine the type of stuff. Like, we have kind of... <laughs> You know, I got, I, got, I got my favorites of a wall of fame of, you know, headshots and pictures and demo tapes and everything. And you would not believe some of the stuff that just comes in. It's kind of crazy. Can you, is it, is it too much to add? Like, could you even, without giving names or like describe like a type of act that is like, yeah, well, and you're like, yeah, no. Absolutely. I, I can give you the, the type of act. And what I think it, it's going towards is these pop singers. And I think that especially both men and women have decided that they can be this American idol type, but more on like a physical side. So they will send their trifolds of pictures that you would never, ever want to put in public. <laughs> and then they just film their demo tapes, like maybe in their studio apartment or somewhere. Where again, you know, I, I applaud them from doing that, but I mean, some of the stuff like you just would not believe. I love it. I love it. Um, you're smart. You put your beers on the floor so they wouldn't disturb the audio. And you're way smarter than I. No, no, no. It's... Let's, uh, how did you go from performer to agent? What was the switch there? The switch, uh, it was really, it, it kind of just happened, just like a happenstance. Uh, I toured with Mission Improbable for three years. And afterwards, I just got, you know, you get kind of tired of the road and you just, it's time for you. Or, you know, the road maybe gets tired of you. It's not one of those things. I, I love performing, but they were, you could tell the college kids were just like, I, you know what, I, I really don't get this guy. You know, I, I didn't laugh at all, but I feel like maybe I learned something, you know, about something that maybe I didn't want to learn at all. Fair. But uh, I remember going into the office uh, after leaving Mission Improbable and just asking, is there anything I can do to maybe facilitate helping you know, improv, get more exposure or more bookings. You went into the Bachelor office. Okay. So I just kind of shadowed them for a couple of weeks and they kind of just gauged my interest because they had their agent leave, their West Coast agent and military mm. agent. And so she left to go pursue something. And then I came in and they kind of asked me to go, would this be something you're interested in? And I kind of had to think just because I'd been so used to being on the road and being in, you know, a comfort inn in some town <laughs> in Iowa you know, it was something strange or going to a Casey's General store and having my dinner. I thought, you know, can this be something I can do is live in Chicago? And I thought, well, this is why I moved here to be in this business. Yeah. And so I said yes. And God, that was a year ago. And, and it's been awesome. It's been an amazing experience just being there. Does any part of you wonder what what would have happened or, or if you'd said no and decided to really keep pursuing the performing part oh every day okay <laughs> i think <laughs> i think so i think it's one of the things where you know it never really leaves your blood yeah you know and what you want to do but the fact is is that the main thing i never thought when i got into this business about learning the entertainment side was that you know i'm responsible for a bunch of artists livelihood 
to keep pursuing this. And that that's an incredible honor in my mind. Like that keeps me going to work every single day and just working my butt off is the fact that these artists are living the dream and I can be responsible for that. And the fact that they can look back on a year and say, you know, I went to this place, I went to Alaska, I went to Hawaii, I went to Guam, and it was all because of Drew. Like that is like that's all that's a really awesome feeling. That is pretty great. You're like Superman. Well, I, you know, I, I can like you know, in a chair, essentially, but you know Well that's okay. That's okay. No, but it, it's it's just such a neat thing that someone can just say like on their Facebook status that, Hey, I went to Fairbanks, Alaska and I gotta see a glacier and it was all be you know, because of my agent. I'm like, okay. We're like, wow. <laughs> Nailed it. Oh, man. I, there's so many avenues we could explore with this. So let's start with, um, so your day-to-day, like as an agent, you have an office and, and you are pretty much, do you stay in Chicago a lot or do they send you out for work or how does that work? Yeah. Essentially, your day-to-day is you're in the office and you know, you're making outbound calls, you're following up on leads and, and you're calling different regions of the United States. So I, I pretty much cover um, from Mississippi West, essentially. Mm-hmm. So. I do the West Coast, uh, I do the military bases and performing arts. But in some cases, like we have huge conferences that we go to. So it's called NACA, essentially the National Association of Campus Activities, where all these schools will come to a convention. A lot of people will showcase and they come see your booth and they want to know what you have. And that's the only time I really get to travel. But I love that because I love traveling. And so you get to go to some really, really neat places there and just really connect with the schools because it's a great face-to-face thing to have. When you go to these things, uh, does Bachelor have like its own booth where you try and sell everything, or do you just have like booths per act, or how does that work? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, okay. We have a huge, we have a huge display of a bunch of our acts that kind of just fold out in a nice little trifold. But we do have some acts that have kind of gotten a step further where they've taken their own act and kind of just made it into like a booth. And so you might have say forty feet of booth space where someone will walk by and be like, "Oh my God, is that the Bachelor booth?" They're like, well, what do you guys have? And they just kind of have no idea because they see a bunch of things coming at them. They see a guy with a chainsaw. They see a guy <laughs> with a spoon bended. You know, it's just one of those things where it's just kind of like this huge fair. It's yeah. like a job fair, but for entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's like the more that, you know, you they work, the more money you get. So it's like perpetual motion. They want to work. You want them to work. Absolutely. So everyone's helping each other to just do better. Without a doubt. That's great. I've uh, my last guest, uh, who that uh, she was a model, and, and her description of modeling agents was like totally opposite of that. Like, don't tell me what you do; we tell you what to do. And I'm like, oh, oh that sounds horrible. No, I, I, I think I'll get my ass kicked. So, like, <laughs> half the people. I mean, the guy has a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to screw with him. No, you don't. It doesn't matter how how big your muscles are. The no, chainsaw no. cuts right through you. <laughs> chainsaw does not care about muscles. It really doesn't. That's that should be his that should be his slogan. <laughs> Good slogan. Just tell Chad Big, listen. That's your new slogan going forward. You know, not abs are not knife proof, and biceps are not chainsaw proof. I like it. I like it a lot. I think, I think we're honest. So when you first started, I mean, you, did you have any experience in this kind of business before? Not so much. I basically the only experience I had was on the road to Mission Improbable. Hmm. If we had dates that were blank. Uh, on tour like let's just say we were in upstate new york and we had a date that was open well obviously every day that we're on the road not performing you know we're losing money in a sense or you know it's just a day that you know eats in their own pocket so you kind of always want to be going you want to be doing things so i took it upon myself and you know with the help of some of the guys in the band that we just started calling schools and letting them know hey listen we're in the area 
you know, we're a nationally recognized improv group. We'd love to come to your campus. You know, here's what we can do. Here's the selling points. And if you want any information, just say contact us or our agents. And so, you know, we booked quite a bit through that. And I think that kind of really set the things in motion in terms of becoming an agent. They saw that and they were like, well, listen, it seems like this guy has some sort of initiative yeah. to do this. So essentially, you're, I mean, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but you're, you're like a salesman. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's not, not all. You're selling acts. Yeah, I'm selling entertainment. You know, that, that is really what I'm doing. And so. So when it comes to like the number of acts you have, and it looks like you guys, you know, represent quite a, quite a few different types of things and everything. Is there a point where you have too many acts you're representing and it's detracting from your work, or is it like the more that we can get work, the merrier? I, I think it's the latter part. The more you have, the merrier. If someone, it doesn't do me any good as an agent to book one thing with the school and say that's it, like a one and done. The fact is, is like if talent, it's the cream rises to the top analogy. You know, talent's going to come up, and if they're good, they'll book. Yeah. I think students will see that, and advisors will see that. They'll say, listen. We had this person out, we liked them, we saw a video on this person, we really want them, and then you just kind of want them to get lost in the sense where they can just go through the whole roster. How much uh, of your job is answering the phone versus like uh, calling people that haven't made contact with you first? I think in terms of outbound, in terms of the lead, you would say you're probably making on average anywhere from 60 to 70 calls a day outbound yeah and then in terms of inbound stuff and follow-up i'd say you're, you're looking at about anywhere from 25 to about 40 calls a day too as well and hmm. it involves also email so it's, it's just a constant influx of people getting information and then giving information does it does it ever feel weird to call someone up who's like and and you'll be like hey uh you don't really know me but i've got some things i want to sell you like does is that have you gotten used to that? I, I think you do. And I think the great part about it is the fact that I'm selling something that I love, and that's entertainment. Yeah. And the fact is, is that I'm excited about it, and that really comes across on the phone, is the fact that, hey, you know, I've got something that I love, and the fact is, is that whatever you need, I, I pretty much got you covered. <laughs> it, it really, it, and that's the salesman aspect of it, is the fact that someone says, well, listen, I don't do any events on my, and you get this a lot, if someone says, we don't do any music on campus, and Sure, I mean, if someone says, yeah, but we do all educational programming. Well, we've got tons of that. Or we don't. We just do mainly variety acts or novelties. We do no comedy whatsoever, but we do novelty. We do old time photos. We do wax hands, <laughs> sand art. Yeah, fine, sure. But we don't do comedy because we, we don't, do don't like to laugh. We don't like to laugh. <laughs> we just want to do sand art and wax hands and old time photos and street signs. That's a very niche school. <laughs> it's it, very. I don't. You know, maybe I wouldn't want to go there. Yeah. So I, you know, not knowing much about it, so you handle colleges, um, and the other two agents who are also the, the owners, do they, what do they do? Like They handle, they handle the colleges, like, but they handle the Midwest and the East, East Coast and the South. Oh, I see. And so in terms of those markets, those markets are just, it's very concentrated. Like, the heart of America is just so many schools within a certain mileage from it. So in terms of routing, that's a term we use in the business is always the routing. Because schools want to jump in. If like someone's coming to town, they'll send someone out and say, hey, listen, I've got this person in the area. It's great routing. Do you want to jump on the block? Interesting. And, yeah. And so the block booking is really, it works best for both schools and artists. Because an artist doesn't want to just go out for one show, fly out, be gone, and then come back. They want to be gone for weeks on end. So sure. the fact is, is that 
if you go to somewhere like, say, Lindsburg, Kansas, you're going to want routing around that. So you're going to call Sunline, you're going to call Wichita, you're going to call McPherson, you're going to call Topeka, you're going to call Kansas City, you're going to call all these things in a, in a radius of about six to eight hours. It's kind of, it follows like basically every tour, major tour for a band, if you look at it. Sure, yeah. Does that, uh, is, as far as, is that like, I can only speak from the school that I went to, uh, TCU Hornfarks, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Amy Carter Stadium. <laughs> Darren Skippy. And uh, we had, you know, I think we would book our acts mostly like a year in advance. Absolutely. So how do you get a school to go, hey, I got a guy coming to your town. Like, do, do a lot of schools book just last minute kind of things? Or They can. Um, we usually find that schools will try to book about a month or two out just in terms of getting the advertisement. That's the big thing now, is just to get kids to attend. There's so many options they can do. And the fact is, is that most students are just basically on their phone or doing else, or they're, they're studying, they're going to school. And the fact is it's hard to get it out. But when you're at school and you're paying that much money for student activities, like that portion of the fees goes to entertainment. I, I remember when I was at school, anytime someone came- I Florida remember, Gators? Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and the first person who came to our school was Mike Reese, who used to be a writer for The Simpsons. Yeah. And I was just kind of in awe on the fact that this is free and I can go see this guy talk about something that I personally love. Like, that was great. Yeah. And was well, great. in University of Florida, I've been told by other former Gators, you guys got some pretty big acts, right? Yeah, you get some really big national acts. And I think that's the thing about the big universities is that they can get those huge acts because they're student bodies. They can attract the type of fees. And that's when you really get into like the really big agencies that you hear about like yeah. Entourage or just in the magazines. But you're a big agent. I mean, even though you're you're a small number of people working there, like you're a, a well-known, I mean, according to the website, it was like voted best agency three years in a row or something like that. Yeah, it, it, it's been, you know, they've done, Scott and Chris have done an amazing job. They've only been around essentially, you know, 12 years and the fact is is that they've been they've been named campus activities magazine agency of the year for six out of the 12 years so you know, wow. i came i go guys you're a dynasty like <laughs> miami hurricanes and they were i, I don't like i don't know what that is <laughs> it's, a, it's a dumb sports reference from drew <laughs> you're, the, you're the only sports guy I, you know I, I think they love sports but it's mostly golf so that well that's that's sort of a sport i, I guess it is <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get involved in the whole um improvisation thing where did that was that start in high school or did it start in college or college yeah the university of florida had theater strike force which a lot of a lot of chicago people have come from florida i've known yeah i've known quite a few yeah and it was great and you kind of walk in and there's just this all these established people that are there and they're they're teachers i mean my first teacher was Derek Ages, who. Yeah, I took him classes here. He's a great friend of mine. He teaches at the Annoyance Theater, and, and yeah, absolutely. I, I moved up here with Josh Bright, and Josh Bright was a person that I learned under too as well at Theater Strike Force, and ended up rooming with him. And the fact is, you have just such a great amount of talent there. Guys like Danny Moore and Bill Arnett over at I.O. and yeah, it just it became a great thing. You're like, I can take this as a class, and I had no idea what it was, and so someone says you should just try it. Wait, you took it as a class? Yeah. Like part of the curriculum? It was like a theater, I think it was TVP 3124 was the course number. Wow, I didn't know they made it like part of the yeah. coursework. That's amazing. Absolutely. And, and there was a person, you can go there and you actually learn long form. The first time I ever was exposed to long form was my mentor and teacher, Skylar Stone, who's now here. And he was basically when I kind of broke it down from all the stuff he had seen. And it was amazing. It was life changing. Like it was really cool to see that kind of stuff and then go into a festival like Dirty South Improv seeing guys like Asaf Ronan and then like Zach Ward, uh, Rene Duquesnoy was great. Like just one of my 
first people I ever saw do improv in terms of a conference and then guys like Jeff Griggs. So, yeah. So I started in college and thought, well, God, I, I want to learn more about this. So why not move to Chicago? So I moved up here with Josh Bright. And I remember that day moving up from Gainesville, Florida, like it was yesterday, just driving through Georgia all through the night. Couldn't get a room because there was a NASCAR race in Georgia. So <laughs> we drove through Georgia, which I don't know if you've ever driven through Georgia. It's the biggest of the 13 colonies, which is just a weird, weird dumb fact it's about it. Insane. But it takes forever to get through. And so we drove from Gainesville to Chattanooga and found this little flea bag motel and then hightailed it to Chicago the next day. And God, it was great. It was amazing. Oh, wow. Did you have any performance tendencies like in middle school, high school? Did you go, I want to perform, and then college said, improv is where I'm going to do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In high school, uh, I did some theater, and it's going to be a shock, but I got cast in you know this really weird play as, as, a, as a jock type. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's a real method. It's a real, <laughs> real method way. And I played football, too, as well, but football basically told me that I was never going to play anything professional, never go to college with it. It was more just like, oh, I guess this is what I do. Did you go to high school with like a, like a big football team? I went to Tim Tebow's old high school. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, nice wow. high school. I mean, I never, we were terrible when I was there, but, uh, I mean, of course. Well, sure, yeah. But uh, when now that you know, I can say, hey, man, the... I didn't, oh, that's awesome. You and Tim Tebow went to the same school. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he went, but I'm sure, you know, he... Uh, he did something. He did something. He, yeah. he won and became really famous and really popular and now plays for the Jets. Weird. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> it all comes back to Tebow. It really, well, isn't that, a, isn't that all life is? <laughs> is how we can get it back to Tebow? Yeah. I mean, and of course, you know, I loved high school football. I thought I was going to be kind of the Buzz Bissinger, high, you know, Friday Night Lights type stuff. I mean, Texas. You're from sure. Texas. I think Texas and Florida are pretty on par with how much they love their high school football. Dallas Carter and... You know, Duncanville, all those great programs that everything closes down for that. But Nice yeah. never closed down for anything. They didn't want to come see a really bad product. Fair. Yeah. Uh, as an agent and who started as an improviser, you've got a, you know, you still are friends with a lot of performers. Is it does it ever get weird with your friends who are just like Hey, true. You're an agent. Like, does that like does that ever get weird? Or I, I think it's I think they're if anything they're just more respectful of the fact that they they want advice about something that I obviously have experience in not just as an agent but as a performer the college market which again when you come to Chicago you know you're you're performing for people coming like obviously you're performing for a lot of tourists who are coming to town and want to see improv performing for a lot of locals here and then for also a lot of improvers as your peers. Yeah. And so going to the college market, it's a different audience. So it, I think it's, again, it's one of those honorable things. Like I feel, you know, I feel flattered that they can come to me and kind of ask me for that type of advice. You know, and I'm always, doors always open for that. Yeah. You know, and the great thing about Chicago is there's just so many damn talented people. Here. It's, really, it's, it's kind of insane. Like the, It's a big magnet for talent. Yeah. I think. It's the fact is like we represent Baby Wants Candy, which is, I think one of the personally one of the greatest shows out there. It's it's, it's, yeah. it's a phenomenal show. The fact that what they do, I remember seeing Al Samuels when I first came here and being like, "Holy cow! Like this is unbelievable! Like they're doing a musical, which is hard in itself, but the fact they're improvising the whole thing, well, yeah, which from is scratch. <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, just, it, it's a great thing. The fact that in 
these people are going to go on to so many great and huge things. Is it hard to, like, I feel like as well known as improv is in my mind, but I'm infused in Chicago, that I still still think a lot of the country doesn't really, when you say improv, they really don't know what that is. Is it hard to sell Mission Improvable or Baby Wants Candy by, like, trying to tell these people, like, no, no, it's going to be good. Like, do they ever have the doubts? Like, well, it's improvised. It might be bad or that kind of thing. I think they do just because they don't know what it is. Yeah. You know, basically, the moniker is is improv is stand-up. Yeah, right. I mean, it really, you think about it. I mean, there's a stand-up club called The Improv. And yeah. The fact is they kind of always are asking, well, what is the show about? It's, it's never like, oh, it's improv. So it's a weird... unless, they, unless they've been to Chicago, they're going to say, oh, okay, it's improv. It's great. But you really kind of have to do an education about it and say, listen... What the show is going to do is it's completely interactive because that's a great thing about improv is the fact that it's in the crowd. It's intimate. It's in your face. It's super high energy. It's going to get everybody involved. It's not just the fourth wall is going to be broken with that kind of improvisation. And especially when performing that show, a lot of people, when they saw us, they were like, who the hell are these four dudes in black ties and white shirts they're like best buy employees or mormon missionaries and so they just see these goofballs just having a great time and they really jumped on board with that the fact that hey these guys are just having a ball yeah they're just having so much fun we feel like we're part of the show and that's a great thing about it so and mission improbable i think above any other improv group that i've ever worked with or even heard of has enough of a hook because it's like you can at least sell the fact that they're secret agents <laughs> and they're performing missions. Yeah, uh, it's it, I mean it's just short form improv is what it is. Yeah. But at the like it's just enough of a descriptor to go okay, yeah. I'll do that. It, it's absolutely a foot in the door. It it really is. It's four guys. You, when you send the audience, you're like, what's going to happen next? Yeah. And you hear this music. You hear this big old announcement about these four agents they all have ridiculous names you know agent hurricane recon what was your agent name uh, mine was re it was initially dragon i got named by the guys in the van i got named by aaron ellsworth and scott moorhead and frankie cusamano because i always talked about dragons for some reason i mean of course that was why not but then uh Stu race called me agent fathead because i just have i guess an enormous physical head so the names they, they evolve they, they change but it's just again it's just supposed to be it's supposed to be fun and the fact is that a crowd can really, they, they're judgmental right off the bat. But once they see that we're making fun of ourselves and we're having a good time, I think that's what made the show just so great. was the fact that it was just four guys just really just yucking it up and goofing off. Have you had uh, like any moments that you recall where you were selling Baby Wants Candy, for example, and they were like, I don't know. I'll trust you, Drew. And then like a week later, they call you and go, that was the best show I've ever seen or something like have you had people turn around like that? The the best, I mean, a lot of the reviews about Baby One's Candy, and you can, if you look at this on the, even on the website, you'll just see that people are just, they're more just astonished of anything. Yeah. The fact is they're just really in awe of the fact that, you know, here's people that they will see on TV and who have been on TV and the fact that they're mm-hmm. doing this. I remember seeing, as a joint show, I remember seeing Baby One's Candy in Houghton, Michigan, Michigan Tech. Which is in the Upper Peninsula, which I had no idea existed. But <laughs> I, I didn't know until yeah, this I, moment. Yeah, it's just like it's Michigan's hat. Essentially, <laughs> it, it kind of goes sort of into Canada. I thought that was Canada. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Canada too. When we had to drove by and they're like, "Do you have any firewood?" I'm like, "Why would I bring my own firewood?" <laughs> you know, we don't want to bring any indigenous, you know, bugs. Well, I'm not. I don't plan on doing that. But I remember doing a show there, and it was. 
just seeing Baby Wants Candy on stage, and they had some crazy title with uh, some Russian, I think it was like a Russian Cold War, and it was just amazing. And the fact, the great thing was, is that the crowd was, you just looked at them, and their faces were just kind of dropped. Yeah. And that was just, it's cool. It's cool to see that, and you're like, wow, they're just, they're kicking ass on stage. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love that improv in general. When people are like, I don't know about this improv thing, and then they're amazed, but uh, yeah, particularly that group above anything else. Yeah, I mean, you look at on a Friday night and a Saturday night, you go to comedy sports. The fact is, is it's in a, a great location, a great area, and you constantly see people who, again, are from out of town, at the hotels, they come see this show, and their whole, their, and you've heard this before. The best thing is, how did they think of that, or? That's got to be made up on the. That's got to be written. Yeah, scripted. I get that a lot of that on the cruise ships because cruise ship audiences typically aren't full of people who know about improvisation. So yeah, a lot of uh, you know, people are looking for buffets, ship on a stick, right? It's interesting because like you know we're it's they don't have to pay extra to go see the show, so they kind of go see. Well, it's free. I'll go see it. Whatever, and then they're like, whoa, improv, you know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. I I remember my parents saying that when they saw Second City on the cruise. Again, they were just so just infatuated the fact like, gosh, do you know this person? Do you know this person? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're they're great. They're wonderful. They go, the shows were amazing. We just had so many questions of what it's like to to work on a cruise ship and to do that. And I, I think my dad really wanted a job there. He volunteered for one of the games with uh, one of the performers. <laughs> I think it might have been D, uh, Dean Evans or, or Nick. And he was just like, I, I thought I did a pretty good job. I, I did all the stuff that we talked about of. Yes, ending and accepting and, you know, being a father. So, Oh, man. That's so great when people can just, like, improv- improvise one game as a volunteer and go, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. And he was he was, he was set. He was like, listen, just, you know, if you can, you got need for, you know, yeah. 60-something. You just go ahead and call Second City for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And tell him your dad needs needs to work. Yeah, he just needs to be on a boat and do all that stuff. Perfect. Oh, you know, he can, he can come on my next boat oh, with me. Oh, God. He'd leave in a heartbeat. Yeah, but, He'd love to be out of the house and go to all these great places. Are do do you think that now, because um, like, do you? Well, first of all, do you represent more improv groups than just Mission Improbable and Baby Wants Candy? Or are they your only two right now? They're only two improv groups. You know, in terms of what comedy, I think the great thing about Bachelor is they're really open to different types of comedy. I mean, one of the best shows I think going right now is. I, I, in a way, it's kind of hard to describe. It's the Found Footage Festival. Mm. It's it's run by two guys. It's uh, it's Nick and Joe from The Onion, guys writers for Late Night David Letterman. And basically, what it is is it's old school YouTube. These are guys who've taken every video from every gas station, garage sale from the '80s of when videotape was just kind of brand new, and they've edited into this great, just kind of mystery science theater type show. Hmm. One of the best shows I've ever seen. Just. It's so funny. It's 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 beyond just like it's skull crushingly funny. That's how you say it because your head is literally hurting. It's not your stomach's hurting, your head's hurting. And the fact is, how do you sell it to somebody? Say, listen, you trust me on this one, this show is unbelievable. And that's the response you get is that was amazing. Like yeah. the fact that these guys have such a great eye for editing, for commentary, it's phenomenal. And so that's a very different show. And then also a show like Team Submarine, it's a sketch group formerly out of Chicago. Nate Fernald and Steve O'Brien, they were improvisers, went through I.O., uh, did all the improv stuff, and then they did stand-up together, and then they started writing sketches together. So they have a hybrid sketch sort of stand-up show that is really, in colleges, really said, listen, this is so unique. This is just ridiculous. (laughs) These two guys are just super silly. So I think that's been kind of really interesting to find different acts that kind of have that 
you know, hey, this is not something you see every day. Yeah. Do you think that the path is being paved for more improv groups? I feel like even now, but particularly 10 years ago, five years ago, to sell an improv group to someone that didn't really know what they were, like it would have been almost impossible. But now that there are groups that are going out and, you know, improvisations get a little bit more light shed on it by like Tina Fey and Steve Carell and people like that. Do you think that it's like more improv groups are going to be touring and, and doing what stand-ups and other like musicians have historically done? I, I think so. I think that's we're already seeing it where Whoops. we're going. <laughs> you know, you see, um, especially in colleges, you'll see theaters that are sprouting up and improv groups. You know, you have the Chicago, you basically have the, the college improv tournament. Yeah. And now it's, that's huge. I mean, they had over a hundred teams and they come to Chicago and they perform. I mean, and these kids, these students essentially are performing in their hometowns. I, I mean, now you have theaters like in Denver, you have Bovine Metropolis that has a sustainable improv community up in Minneapolis. You have an amazing, you have a, I think it's, I can't even think of the name right now, but again, there's so much theater out there. I mean, you have places like New York that are becoming like the more experimental places like the pit you have UCB out there. I mean, you're really seeing all these places. North Carolina. Yeah. It's a huge explosion. Boston. Every city now is really kind of coming to the fact that, listen, all those big names like Steve Carell, Tina Fey, did improv. And so you're seeing all these places sprout up, which I think is great. Done in Texas, in Dallas. Absolutely. Know, Austin Improv Festival years ago, a team like Gravy, you know, come about. So. Yeah, I don't I don't know that there's like a, a, a city in the top 30 like population of cities in the country that doesn't have at least some type of improv scene at this point, which it's, it's phenomenal. It's just a great form and people are getting more interested in it. They're taking classes there and it's, it's just a wonderful way that can go down to Orlando. Orlando's got SAC comedy club. It's yeah. Just, it's phenomenal. I mean, yeah, there's people going out from Chicago to SAC. I remember Mike Carr, who was a Chicago guy who used to play with a team called revolver here, just a great team. And now he's a sack and going down there and seeing them on the main road in Orlando when you have so many other options for entertainment and the place is packed night after night. That's incredible. Like that, that shows you something that people are listening and they want to see something different. So Absolutely. Uh, okay. 15 year old kid says, Drew, I want to do what you do. I want to be an agent. What do you tell him? Well, if he really wants to be an agent, I just say, go see a bunch of shows. Okay. Go see a bunch of shows and figure out what you love to sell, what you love to represent. If you're a music person, like I said, if you'll know what you like, I, the greatest example I can give for music is the Billions. The Billions Agency is in Chicago. Okay. Just off Logan Square. They represent Bon Iver. They represent Explosions in the Sky. And they're such fans. All the agents are such fans of the people they represent. Mm. And they're just so passionate about it. You know, the fact is, is that, you know, that's how really just agents come about. I mean, they're just former former scott bass and my boss was you know you you might kill me for saying this but <laughs> he was part of one of the most influential punk bands in chicago in the 70s oh no kidding a band called Tutu and the pirates they opened for the kinks the sex pistols like joan jett like all these bands that used to come in and during that just that raw energy type movement of just playing mothers and playing the metro and the riviera at such a cool time that Scott was doing that, playing the Playboy Club up in Wisconsin. Just all these crazy stories. And the fact is that this guy loved performing so much. And afterwards, you find like an outlet. So kind of sell what you know. Yeah. Yeah. And just an amazing, like just reading about Scott you know, back in the day, just like, wow, you know, this person had a completely different life. You would never think that 
they would become an agent, but they're just passionate about performing. And I think it all boils down to just being, it's the dream. It's that no matter what, if you just keep doing what you're doing, no matter what, it's, you don't, it's not, it's not like, you know, I want to say wasted life, but the fact is it's fulfilling. Yeah. Because you learn so much about yourself. Um, you had the comedian on, well, this past week that it's been doing for, what, 25 years? Uh, 30. I, I mean, that's, that's amazing to think that someone can do something that they just utterly love every single day and that's not work. The fact that it's 30 years that they've been able to make a living at that. That's awesome. I mean, you've been a performer for, a full-time performer for over four and a half, five years? Four and a half years. Yeah. That's amazing. And it's you, great. And you remember the exact day probably when you decided, you know what, I'm going to... I do. It was easy because it was January 1st, 2008. It was... <laughs> it started with the new year, but yeah, I remember it. Absolutely. Yeah. Never forget it. And you told yourself, no matter what's going to happen, I'm just going to keep going for it. And yeah. it, it really is kind of the, uh, it's that mouse and the cream analogy, the fact that, you know, the two mice and the cream and one obviously just, you know, drowns. Or maybe it's milk, I don't know. But the fact <laughs> is that someone makes cream at some <laughs> point in time and that somebody gets out. This is I, an expression I've never heard of, yeah, but I, I love I it. I think I kind of just unfortunately made that or just butchered it. Well, you're an improviser. You can make it up. Oh, well, yeah. But, <laughs> But the fact is, is that you are constantly striving for something like in entertainment. The fact that you just want to make people happy, like that's essentially. I, I think my biggest criticism of performers in general, maybe even improvisers, is the fact that we are the, the harshest critics of ourselves. After a show, yeah. we are just like, oh, I don't know, like the show was okay. I didn't make this choice. But if you look at the audience, they're just they're there for the ride. They're there to escape, and that was a great thing about performing. I could go to a town like Minot, North Dakota. Not a lot of people know where Minot is. It's basically, they have an Air Force base, and that's pretty much it. That is the town. And so I remember performing there for maybe about 100 kids, and we thought the show was okay. Like, we were really down on ourselves. But afterwards, you have, like, people writing notes, like, on your car saying, thank you, we needed that. Wow. That was amazing. And it's something you never forget, the fact that you just have this power to be on stage and People are really impressed by that. And the fact that you can just give them that little release, the fact that, oh my God, for an hour I just laughed at some people on stage and they were just having a great time. Like, that's amazing. Like, that that makes it all worth it that when you go, all right, I'm being a little bit of a diva. I can just be quiet. You know? <laughs> I'm going to go to a Hampton Inn and stuff my gullet full of free biscuits. You know? <laughs> free biscuits. Yeah, they're great. They're fun. I bet they are. Um, if you had to give it up and you know, I'm not, of course you're doing great. So, but, uh, you've, you've heard the show, you know how I do this. Uh, if I took entertainment out of the world, it doesn't make money in the world. Uh, is there a job that you would be okay with? You know, I'm going to, I think so. I think looking back now, kind of, you know, gosh, I'm going to be, I'll say I'm going to be 31 in you know, June, and so I figure I'm getting old. And yeah, you're getting, super old. I'm pretty old. Yeah. You're so old. You've got really, flabby skin just, everywhere, <laughs> gray hairs. Just, just crazy. Oh, gosh, well, shut this up. Is, this, is a job, this is a job I think, uh, especially guys like in the van, um, you know, my, my best, some of my best friends, like Adam Higgins, Pat Kiley, mm -hmm. and Keith Habersberger, they'll, they'll agree with this. But if I had one job, I think, it wouldn't be a job, but the opportunity – I would really love the opportunity to go back and try to be a Marine. Interesting. Yeah. I, I just think that through the family and just through now history and just, you know, more of just being researched and doing shows for troops and just talking with troops now. And the fact is just reading just the ethos of what the Marine Corps stood for, especially like through my family and everything. I was always just really impressed with that. And then touring, 
you know, going to places like Penn's Landing where they started and just reading about all these bases where essentially the world was kind of forged in America, really got their identity, like places like Paris Island. I'll never forget or my first show, uh, Mission Problems was in Beaufort, South Carolina, and that's about 35 minutes away from Paris Island, which is one of the main Marine Corps bases. And that's where my family essentially grew up. And I remember I had people coming to the shows and seeing uh, troops in Walmart that are just such young people and just you're so admired by what they really stand for. Yeah. So I think I would just love the opportunity to try to do that. And I just think it would be amazing. Nice. So, yeah. Drew Corb, you're as interesting as you are handsome. Oh, I don't. I think that's the beer. Well, maybe it's not the beer. You know, maybe I'm gonna. Maybe I'm, it's the lighting. I... You know what? I'm done with you. I'm done with you. <laughs> thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, man. You are the man. Awesome having you. Living the dream. Huge thank you to Phil Randon, the Comedy Podcast Network. Original artwork by Tom Burns. Original music by Diana Lawrence. Leave us a comment on Facebook or iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. That helps us out a lot. I appreciate it. Next week, we have Matt Elwell, CEO of Comedy Sports Chicago, an improv theater. It's going to be a lot of fun. Great interview there. Thanks for listening. My name is Rich Baker, and this is Living the Dream.